How many of you are happy to be in church? Amen. This is the best place to be. Glory be to God. Amen. Hallelujah. And it will be increasingly so. As the world gets harder and harder, the church is the place where the people will run to. Amen. Glory be to God. Praise the Lord. Are you ready for the word this morning? Do you believe the word to transform us, to empower us? Yes, to detox us. Glory be to God, so that we'll be strong and healthy every day. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Well, you can ask like Pastor Dora, why do you talk about sin? I thought that, you know, we've been watched, we've been justified, we've been sanctified. Of course. We have to understand that that's our positional truth. <laughs> that's the position that God has placed on the inside of us. Amen. God does not count our sin against us. It's not that we have no sin. It's just that he does not count our sin against us. Can you tell the difference? Can you see the difference? It's not that we are sinless like Jesus, but it's just that God does not count our sin against us because of his grace, because of his mercy. Amen? Isn't that good? Give the Lord a big hand of praise. Amen. Amen. So we still need to get rid of whatever we don't know, maybe on the inside of us trying to stick to us. So it's good to empty the bin. Isn't that right? Amen. So understanding grace, grace for relational prosperity. You know, there are two commandments. One is to love the Lord with all of your heart, with all of your mind, and with all of your strength, followed by the second one, which is to love your neighbor as you love yourself, which is the second commandment. We'll notice that a lot of hurts come to us because of our neighbor. A lot of hurts come to us if we're not moving and functioning in relational prosperity. So it's very important that we understand what it means, relational prosperity. So to go back to the understanding of grace, which I remember I talked about, um, I think was uh, a month ago, understanding grace. So let's look at 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 7. 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 7. Okay, let's just highlight the last part of that scripture. Being heirs together of the grace of life. I just want to highlight that part. Being heirs together of the grace of life. Now, I want you to highlight the word heirs. That means grace is something that we inherit. That's why we are called heirs. To be called heirs, that means God has an inheritance for you to inherit. That's why we are called heirs. And then highlight the word together. There is a grace that is personal for you. There is a grace which must be inherited together. There is a personal grace and there is a corporate grace. So highlight the word together. There are graces in your life that you can get to by yourself. But there are also graces in your life that you can never get by yourself. That's why that's the word together. And then I want you to highlight the, the, the phrase, the grace of life. 
It's the grace that makes your life exciting. It's the grace that makes your life interesting. It's the grace that makes your life prosperous. It's the grace that makes your life fulfilling. The grace of life. So grace is what we inherit as believers, as the sons and the daughters of God. Who is the origin of grace? God. God is the giver of grace. So that means grace is supernatural and grace is spiritual. Grace is what no money can buy. Grace is what the devil cannot offer you. Grace is from God. And it's important for us to understand what's the difference when we talk about God and when we talk about the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. So when you read the Bible, whenever you come across that term, God, it means the triune God. God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, three in one. That's God in your Bible. And whenever, whenever you come across the word Father, Father is the heart. Father is the heart of God. Father is the heart of God. Father is the source of everything that we need in our life. The Father is the origin, it's the heart of God. And whenever you come across the word Jesus, Jesus is the way. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. Okay, that's Jesus. And whenever you come across the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit is the executive. The Holy Spirit is what brings the Word of God to pass, bring the Word of God into pass, brings the Word of God to pass in your life. The Holy Spirit is the executive. The Holy Spirit is the manifestation of the word, brings the word into manifestation. And that's why Jesus was conceived of the Holy Spirit. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us by the power of the Holy Spirit, by the workings of the Holy Spirit. Okay, so that has to be very clear for you so that it will be a lot easier when you read the Bible. So grace is the key element of a Christian life for protection, for provision, and for promotion. We cannot live without the grace of God. And as far as going back to the scripture, being heirs together of the grace of life, the revelation that you can get out of the scripture is not limited to just the relationship between the husband and the wife. This revelation is applicable and should be used and put to use in all of our relationships. When we talk about relationships, we're talking about more than just myself. Remember, I talked about there's personal grace and also there is corporate grace or relational grace. Now, if you can go to 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 8. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 8, that will illustrate my point clearer. And I encourage you to listen to Kingdom Warriors last Thursday, because this will tie the two together. God is able to make, come on, say it together with me, all grace. One more time, 
all grace. All grace abound towards you that you always having all sufficiency. Say with me, all things. One more time, all things. May abound to every good work. Say with me, every good work. Wow. So you have all grace. You have everything. You have always. You have all sufficiency. And you have all, every good work. That makes your hands complete with the five fingers. Complete. And it's very important that we understand that there is different kind of grace. Grace that comes to different situations. Grace that comes to different things, different matters, different places, different times. So grace for healing and health. Grace for financial prosperity. How many of us know that you can love God and your life can be very poor? You can love God and your body can be very sick because you're lacking in that grace, in that area. So grace for health and healing, grace for financial prosperity, grace for relational prosperity. Grace for evangelism. Grace for casting out devils. Grace for dreams and visions. Grace for teaching the word of God. Grace to be a leader for God. All grace, every good work. And that's why we study our Bible by topics. We need to get into the word for health and healing, into the word for finances, into the word for relationships, into the word for end times, into the word for casting out of devils, every good work or grace. And let's go to 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 9. 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 9. Now, I'm not here to give you my opinions. I'm giving you the word of God, what the word of God is telling us. And remember, I said this last Sunday, when you're hearing the word, you're also hearing the power to do it. So the word of God is different from when you attend a lecture. It's different from you go into a, a university lecture and when you go into your class in high school or in primary school. The word that you hear and you bring it and put it into yourself, into your spirit. That means the word that you hear and you possess and you take ownership of will empower you to be what the word of God says for you to be and to do what the word of God says for you to do. So when you listen to the word of God on healing, you receive healing. When you listen to the word of God on prosperity, you receive the power to get wealth. How many of you know what I'm talking about? So now this morning, when we receive the word of God on relational prosperity, then we receive the power to be prosperous in our relationships. Can we say amen? So 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 9, God said unto me, my grace, whose grace is that? God's grace. It's sufficient. Say with me, sufficient. One more time, sufficient. Anything other than that is unbelief, okay? Sufficient for you. And one more time, my strength. Whose strength is that? My strength is made perfect. Say with me, made perfect. In weakness. 
And listen to this. The Apostle Paul said, most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities. He was not ashamed. He was not guilty. He did not feel guilty. He did not feel condemned. He was not discouraged. He was not put off by his own infirmities. Why? Because he had chosen the way not to magnify his own weaknesses, but to magnify the grace. That's the answer to all of our problems. We don't magnify our weaknesses. We don't magnify our failures. We magnify the grace. He said, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. So your sickness is swallowed up by the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ. Your weakness is swallowed up by the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's why, that's why the Apostle Paul, he said, there is therefore now no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus. If we keep finding faults with one another, we're wasting our time. If we keep finding faults with one another, we are wasting the grace. We are despising the grace. How many of you know what I'm talking about? The focus is on the grace. Amen. Not the weakness, not the insufficiency, not the struggle, not the efforts, not the self. When your focus is right, you will get what is right. When your focus is right, you will go to the right direction. Focus is very, very important. Focus is all that matters. Can we say amen? So we must have grace coming into and working in our lives. Amen? And in order to do that, we must take away all the grace stoppers. Say with me, away to all the grace stoppers. Okay, so listen to me. What are some of the grace stoppers? We have to stop being possessive, territorial, critical, judgmental. We have to stop being stingy and manipulative. We must free ourselves up to be God's channels. We must not allow any bitterness, any offense, any self-awareness, any self-consciousness, self-centeredness to block the channel of the grace of God. How many of you have had a, a host and it's kanked? Is that the right word? Twisted. And even though you've turned on your tap, the water cannot flow. Or you just have a little bit, a little bit, you know, just a little bit of water coming out. So say to the person next to you, remove, remove all the obstacles, all the obstacles from your channel. Remove all obstacles from your channel. Amen. To receive grace, we must be gracious. To receive grace, we must be gracious. And that includes being gracious to yourself. It's very important. Grace overshadows, grace come upon us like a mantle. 
like a blanket. And grace can wrap us around like a bubble. And in heaven, grace shines upon you. In heaven, grace is what distinguishes you. There's a difference between those who are covered by grace and those who are not covered by grace. Amen. Grace is the word hane in Hebrew and charis in Greek. Grace is also translated as favor. Let's look at Job chapter 10, verse 12. Job chapter 10, verse 12. You have given me life and life and favor. Another translation is grace. You have given me life and favor. That means grace or favor is built into the eternal life that you have received from Jesus. When you get born again, what life did you receive? Come on, tell me. What's the name of the life that you received when you got born again? Eternal life. Zoe. Everlasting life. So within that Zoe, within that eternal life, is this element called grace. Okay? We need to understand that. And your providence. Now, I prefer another uh, translation, which is providence. Now, King James says visitation. Another translation is providence. Say with me, providence. Your providence has preserved my spirit. Providence is God's orchestration of the events in your life. Providence is living out God's calendar for you. Providence is receiving God's provision for your life. So how many of you want providence? Amen. Amen. So we have two very important ingredients. One is favor. Another is providence. The world calls it luck. The Bible calls providence. What the Bible calls providence, the devil tries to come up with a, a very cheap counterfeit, which is luck. The Bible calls it providence. It's the divine orchestration and the divine provision of the events in your life. So you notice that favor and providence are connected. They are very powerful and they are supernatural ingredients for successful living. Amen. Now go with me to Psalm 30 verse 7. Now, for those of us that have gone through catastrophes, calamities, and we've gone through them unharmed, we understand very well the meaning of providence. When Sunny and I were in Thailand, when we went through the traffic accident with the woman that almost died, we understand very well that we need divine providence. We need God's providence. We need God's provision. And the devil is very, very real. He's more real to you than what you can see. What is not visible is more real than what is invisible. Let me ask you a question this morning. Can you see your heart? Is your heart more important than your hair? Absolutely. You can feel your hair, you can touch your hair, you can grow your hair. 
You can feel your heart, you can touch your heart, you can see your heart, but your heart is more important. What is invisible is more important than what you can see. Angels are invisible, devils are invisible, God is invisible, but they are very, very powerful. They are key, key ingredients in our life. So look at Psalm 30, verse 7. Oh, Lord, by your, what's the word? Favor. By your favor, you have made my mountain to stand strong. You did hide your face, and I was troubled. The meaning of the word mountain, the word mountain means your world, your life, your work, your family, your strength, what you have, what you have, all your possessions. So by the favor of God, amen, David is saying that you have made my world to stand strong. Amen, you've protected me, you've prospered me. So the devils and the demons cannot invade my world. So no devils can come to destroy my possessions. Can we say amen? Let me ask you a question. Is your health and your healing your possessions? One of your possessions. Is your vocal cord your possession? Is your mental health your possession? Is your family your possession? By your favor, you have made my mountain to stand strong. Is your strength yours? Absolutely. And God's heart is to protect you. Let's look at relational grace. The first example of relational grace is between Adam and Eve. How many of us realize that Adam did not advertise for Eve? He had no Facebook then. <laughs> no, what's that called? Internet, uh, internet dating. <laughs> no, he did not work for Eve. Like... Um, Jacob, right, did for Rachel. So Eve was brought to him without any struggles, without any strife. And Eve fulfilled the desire of his heart. That's what I call relational grace. If you look at Proverbs chapter 18, verse 22, Proverbs chapter 18, verse 22, I'm trying to bring favor, the word more practical to you. Whoever finds a spouse, wife or husband, finds a good thing. Say to the husband or the wife next to you, you are a good thing. <laughs> finds a good thing and obtains what? Obtains what? Favor. Favor. Relational favor. Relational grace. Can we say amen? Why is that so important? Marriage, of course, is a lifelong, powerful relationship. God is involved in all of our relationships. God is involved in all of our relationships. God is the God of relationships. Especially long-term kingdom relationships. So do not despise them. Do not ignore them and do not neglect them. 
Okay, say to the person next to you, do not ignore, do not despise, do not neglect your God-given relationships. When we talk about relational prosperity, I'm not talking about popularity. I'm not talking about having a lot of people siding with you, on your side, liking you, following you, and supporting you. I'm not talking about that. Relational prosperity is having God-sent, God-appointed people across your paths in your life helping you to fulfill God's calling on your life. Helping you to finish the assignments that God has given you. That's the meaning of relational prosperity. They can be joined to your life so that we fulfill God's calling together. And this is what your home church is about. Your home church is about us being joined together to fulfill God's calling on our lives. Can we say amen? Remember I said there is a personal grace, there is also a corporate grace. If you look at Psalm 16 verse 3 in the Living Bible, Psalm 16 verse 3. I want the company of the godly men and women in the land. I want. I want them. How many of you want godly friends? How many of you want godly company? I want them. And go to the King James. Go to the King James Version. To the things that are in the earth, to the excellent in whom is all my delight. Hallelujah. So when you see a brother or a sister in the Lord, your heart jumps. Amen. They warm your heart. We choose our friends. We have to ask ourselves, is this friendship enhancing or destroying me? Am I in a toxic relationship or am I in a godly relationship? Is this relationship helping me to draw closer to God or is this relationship separating me from God? Is this friendship facilitating my progress or hindering, distracting my progress, causing me to backslide? Your friends can either make you or break you. We have to be very careful when it comes to choosing friends. Go to Proverbs chapter 12, verse 26. Well, you ask me, Pastor Dora, what about your family members? Well, you have to navigate. You have to take your priority. You have to be the leader. Can we say amen? We have to be wise. We have to be clever. Be all things to all men without losing your foundation and your stand in the Lord. If you look at uh, Proverbs chapter 12, verse 26, a righteous man is cautious in friendship. A righteous man is cautious in friendship. Another version says the righteous choose their friends carefully, but the way of the wicked leads them astray. 
The wrong company can take you down the wrong path. The right company can take you up the right path, the path of life. Can we say amen? Proverbs chapter 13, verse 20. Proverbs 13, 20. Say with me, the word of God is blessing me, giving me sight, blessing me. Amen. Proverbs chapter 30, verse 20. He who walks with the wise grows wise. I mean, I'm not even doing anything. I'm just walking with the rice. I'm just walking with the wise, and I grow wise already. I put myself in the company of the wise, and I grow wise. Isn't that good? You listen to somebody's Bible study. I've studied this, and I'm giving it to you. You're listening to it. You get wise. Can we say amen? Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. So everything in our life involves decisions. Making choices. So godly choices will enhance us. Evil choices will downgrade us. That's why it is so dangerous to be driven by anger. Because when you're driven by anger, you're not thinking. When you're driven by lust, you're not thinking. It's so important that we think and make the right choice. Can we say amen? So let us be those who appreciate others. Encourage them, lift them up, motivate them, standing with them, believing in them. Let us be the people that bless our company. Can we say amen? Be very careful that we are not, I'm talking to both parents and friends, be very careful that we are not overprotective, that we are not cautious, overcautious, and we become patronizing. We become like always protecting our kids and, and putting them in a greenhouse. At the same time, we have to protect ourselves that we don't get too critical, condemning. At the same time, we have to protect ourselves that we don't get flippant with the people around us. Can we say amen? There is power in association. And we need the grace for relational prosperity. Lift up your hands for the grace. The grace for relationships. The grace that God would use us to bless the people around us. People will be drawn to you for blessings. Can we say amen? We need the grace that orders our steps, that connects us with the right people. Relational grace brings about divine connections, divine appointments, in your life to prosper you and also to protect you. Listen to me. How many of you have looked at the friends of Daniel? Have you looked at the friends of Daniel in the Bible? Who are they? The Hebrew children. Weren't they together? Yes. Weren't they praying together where they were about to be executed? Yes. They were connected together by divine grace. And you notice that they are similar to each other. They are people of precious faith. They are people of same commitment and devotion to God. Daniel's dedication and confidence in God. 
He said to Nebuchadnezzar, I've always been faithful to God and God had shut the mouths of the lions. And look at the, the, what the Hebrew young men, what did they say? What did they say? They say, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning, fiery furnace. Can you detect the same faith in them? Were they of the same faith? Were they both strong? Amen. Also, if you want promotion in your life, promotion can come through your friends. Promotion can come through the friends that God has sent into your life. If you look at Daniel chapter 2, verse 49, Daniel 2, 49, Daniel requested of the king and said, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego over the affairs of the province of Babylon. You notice? Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego. Where did their promotion come from? From the recommendation of Daniel to the king. The people that got sent into your life can bring about your promotion. And also there are divine connections for protection, divine connections for miracles, for God-given assignments, grace for relational prosperity, divine connections given by the Lord. We are not talking about soul ties. We are not talking about friendships that we pursue ourselves in the flesh. How many of us know that we're living in the end times? What is the number of the Antichrist? Come on, tell me. Triple six. What's the number of six? What does that represent? People. Triple six means the rise of humanism. The rise of humanism. The Antichrist will be a very popular person. The Antichrist will be a person who is very much liked by people. The Antichrist will be a person that people see virtues in him. What's the kind of virtues? The virtues that people use to feed on one another. What is humanism? Humanism is people feeding on each other, getting the benefits from each other, being codependent, coexistent. Getting emotional satisfaction from each other, meeting one another's needs, advocating one another's interests. That's humanism. It's what we can do for ourselves. How we can have a good company by ourselves. How we can meet one another's needs by ourselves. And also in the end times, another element that will work with the Antichrist would be the spirit of religion. The spirit of religion. Everybody loves to be religious. It's easy to be religious, but it's not easy to be a practicing Christian. Religious simply means I go to church. And then outside of church, I do whatever I like. I think whatever I like. I feel however I like. But practical Christianity involves dying to self. Involves changing your thoughts. Involves making Holy Spirit decisions. 
involves putting others before myself. Can we say amen? Hallelujah. The Holy Spirit is the spirit of grace. He is the spirit of truth. Amen. And without the Holy Spirit, none of us, without the Holy Ghost, none of us can be true to God. Listen to me this very carefully. Without the Holy Ghost, none of us can be true to the born again man, the new man that is in you. It's very easy to follow the old man, but we need to keep that old man crucified. That's what Christianity is about. Amen. Grace and more grace will be added to us as we pursue God, as we make the decision to follow him. So relational prosperity is about having people, friends that are drawn to you because of your commitment to God, because of your dedication to God, because of your assignments from God, not because of our common pleasures, common interests, and worldly pursuits. The people whom God brings into your life will inspire you, mature, and lift you up higher and higher into your calling into your assignments in Christ Jesus. There will be a godly flavor about them. When you are in the midst of godly company, your heart is warmed. There's a weakness on the inside. There are people in our lives that we need very much. Joseph needed Potiphar in order to go where God had for him. Joseph, he needed the cupbearer in the prison, even though the cupbearer had forgotten, completely forgotten him. But there is a time that God caused the cupbearer to remember him. And also Joseph needed that particular pharaoh at that particular time in Egypt for him to fulfill his calling. What is his calling? To protect Israel, his family, from being destroyed. David, he needed Jonathan. Go with me to 1 Samuel chapter 18, verse 1 in the NIV. 1 Samuel chapter 18, verse 1. Read this. Jonathan became one in spirit. Soul ties are very easy to form. Soul ties are very easy to form. You can form soul tie with anybody. Having a meal together, yum cha together, go to a movie together, you know, talk together. You can easily form a soul tie. But become one in spirit. Those who pray together stick together. Amen. Become one in spirit. And he loved him as himself. That's what Jesus said. To love your neighbor as yourself. Amen. Joseph, I mean David and Jonathan. And if you look at David's life, his life is very powerful, full of divine connections. 
How many of you remember Abigail? Abigail was sent to David. Why? Because David was so angry, he was going to kill every male. You know, those that pits against the wall. <laughs> so David was going to kill every man, but God sent him Abigail. And I want you to look at that statement from David. Go with me to 1 Samuel chapter 25, verse 33. 1 Samuel 25, verse 33. He recognized that God sent him Abigail. He said, may you be blessed for your good judgment and for keeping me from bloodshed this day and from avenging myself with my own hands. Isn't this powerful? Isn't this powerful? David recognized that. It's so important. He got that revelation. Now we need to understand, well, you say, doesn't God love us? Yes, God loves you. And then that's why, you know, why do bad things happen to good people? Why so many attacks? God loves us. But listen, he will not break the spiritual laws for us. You continue to harbor unforgiveness, offense, you will bump into the judgment of God. God loves us, but he will not change the spiritual laws for us. You continue to be stingy, the spirit of poverty will get to you. If not to you, to the generations after you. Because you have been worshipped, the God of Mammon. You have been worshipping the God of Mammon. So God loves us, but he won't break his spiritual laws for us. Amen. What about Nebuchadnezzar? God divinely connected Daniel with Nebuchadnezzar for Daniel's protection and promotion. Daniel got promoted because of Nebuchadnezzar. What about Nehemiah? He was assigned to be the king's cupbearer and he got favor with the king. And that's why he was able to go back and rebuild Jerusalem. What about Ruth and, Bo and Ruth and Boaz? Ruth and Boaz. Relational prosperity brought Ruth and Boaz together. Together. They were, listen, listen to me, they were predestined in God's plan of redemption. Relational grace was drawing Ruth to Naomi. And Ruth yielded to the drawing in her heart. She became so bonded with Naomi. She became so loyal to Naomi. And she followed Naomi for the rest of her life. She said, wherever you go, I will go. Your God will be my God. She was drawn by the Holy Spirit. She yielded to the drawing in her heart. And what did she get? She got a prosperous marriage with Boaz over and above what she thought or planned. We call this divine providence. A powerful book in your Bible is the book of Esther. The book of Esther is all about grace and favor and divine providence. Go with me to Esther chapter 2 verse 15. Esther 2 15. 
the devil would have people to bow down and pray for good luck. Christians, so many Christians are ignorant of divine providence. Esther chapter 2 verse 15. And I want you to just look at the last line. Esther obtained, the second last, Esther obtained what? One more time. Favor. Esther obtained favor in the sight of? One more time. All them that looked upon her. Wow. Esther obtained favor in the sight of all them that looked upon her. Isn't this powerful? Isn't this powerful? Amen. You're going for an interview. You're going for an interview. You're going for a job interview and favor just cover you. Somebody else, they didn't get this job. You got the job. You got the business. Why? Favor. You read that for yourself. Esther was divinely appointed and connected with Mordecai by birth. By birth. And King Circes by choice. She became the queen of Persia by divine providence to rescue the Jews from extermination. Because while the devil was raising up Haman, God was raising up Esther. That's why it is so important for us to pray in tongues because there are many things in your life. There are events in your calendar that you don't know, that you can't plan, that you're not even aware of. The Bible calls them mysteries. Mysteries. How far can you see into your future? How far can you see into your children's future? That's why it's so important to pray, to pray, pray out the mysteries, the plans, the events that God has for you. How many of you know the wise men who sent them to Jesus when he was a baby? God sent them. The father's heart sent the wise men. What for? Divine provision. A sign. A witness. So Jesus had the wise men and Jesus had the disciples. The disciples were drawn to Jesus. Can you imagine if Jesus were to show up this minute right now? You think you'll just be sitting there like that? No, because you have the witness in you. Have you ever played with the magnets? You'll be drawn to him. Drawn to him. Remember uh, John Wesley. When he got saved, because he was religious, passionately religious, but when he got saved, when the Holy Spirit was there in his salvation, what did he say? He said, my heart was strangely warmed. The presence of God is very real. God is very real. Don't pray to a religious concept. Pray to God who is real. God is a person. He's real. When you pray, you're praying to him. You're praying to a very intelligent spiritual being. You're praying to a, a spiritual being who is full of love, who is full of grace, who is full of power, who is full of miracles. Abraham knew him. We need to know him. 
That's the Apostle Paul. He said that if I might know him, can we say amen? Because we can get so familiar with these things. And before you know it, when you pray, you're just praying to a religious concept. That's called mental assent. Those that come to God must worship him in spirit and in truth. The word truth can be translated as reality. That's why Christianity is practicing Christianity. Practical reality is not religion, can we say amen? In fact, religion is the greatest enemy to Christianity. So the key is that your calling, your role in the plan of God is greater than you. Your calling, your role, your participation in the plan of God is greater than you. And you need to recognize that and yield to it. Otherwise, you will just stay carnal, natural, small, petty, and unfulfilled. And that's why in Psalm 82, verse 7, Psalm 82, verse 7, you shall die like men and fall like one of the princes. We each have a destiny, and yet all of us together have a common destiny. How many of us know that if Australia were to fall into the hands of China, which God forbids, we'll all fall into the hands of China? Because you're in Australia. We have a common destiny. How many of us know that? If Australia were to go to war, we all will be in the war. And how many of us pray for Australia? How many of us pray for the government of Australia? Amen. So if we fail to see that, that we are one, we are the members of a big destiny, then what we're doing is that we're breaking our own destiny. And we pull ourselves out of God's plan, God's purpose, and God's grace. How many of you have heard the scripture, Psalm 133? Behold how good, how pleasant it is for brothers to dwell together in unity. For there, verse 3, the Lord commanded the blessing, even life forevermore. The grace of life, the corporate grace, the corporate blessing, the grace of life to be poured out upon us together as a people, excellent individuals, a powerful people. Amen. Praise the Lord. Amen. Blessing every one of us in that unity, the unity of purpose and calling and advancing together as an army of God. Amen. So let's believe for the grace for relational prosperity. Let's believe for the grace for relational prosperity, which is very important for our calling and our assignment. Can we say amen? Let's believe for that, you to that, and live by that. Can we say amen? Can I ask you to stand with me? Let's confess this together. I ask you to stand with me. Say with me, I'm bigger than myself. I'm bigger than just a person. Lift up your hands with me. Father God, 
I believe you for the grace of life to be poured out into and upon my life on earth. I honor and exalt you. I recognize, acknowledge, yield to, and work with your calling upon my life. I will play my part in the big picture of your kingdom. I refuse, I refuse to be possessive, territorial, critical, judgmental, stingy, and manipulative. I free up myself to be your channel for good. I choose, I choose to be gracious, generous, kind, and forgiving. Thank you for your grace, your relational grace that comes upon me to be who I am, to do what I do for you, for your plan, for your purpose, for my life. I receive from you divine connections, divine orchestration of events in my life to fit into your kingdom, your kingdom purpose, your kingdom expansion, your kingdom advancement. Keep me, Lord, in your path of life. In Jesus' name, amen. Give the Lord a big hand of praise. Amen. Glory be to God. Can I have the musicians to come on stage? Can I ask you to remain standing? Let's worship the Lord. Let's respond to his powerful message to us. Amen. With heartfelt worship. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Do you think he's worthy of your worship? Yes. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Let's not forget that there's always a function. It's like building within each and every one of us. It's called what is health. Health is built into each and every one of us.